Hi everyone, this is Georgiana and you're listening to a new episode of Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast. And today I'm really, really happy to be talking to someone I've met quite a long time here in Berlin and who's actually one of my friends, I can say. And uh, you are Adriana, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and her name, is, um, her name is Adriana Horduk and she works as a strategic talent acquisition manager at Cavalry Ventures. And when I first met Adriana, she was working only as a talent acquisition manager, if I recall well. But anyway, Adriana, tell you, tell us exactly what you do today and uh, maybe also speak about your previous role at Clue, if you can. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Georgiana. So, um, where should I start? So I have joined Cavalry Ventures around one year ago as a strategic talent acquisition manager. Um, and what I'm currently doing is basically supporting on a yeah, supporting our portfolio companies on a strategic level consultancy way mm-hmm. uh, on everything that is related to talent acquisition and also expanding a bit to other topics within the people department. Mm-hmm. And when I was at Clue, I was purely doing talent acquisition. Uh, and of course, next to that, always uh, helping, you know, my colleagues in admin onboarding, offboarding, and I mean, everything else that we will probably cover as a talent acquisition in a company, especially in a, in a small team. So I guess I kind of like touch points on everything related to people department. Mm-hmm. And Adriana, is there a difference between the two, between a strategic talent acquisition manager and the traditional talent acquisition manager? How do they differ, the two? Um, I, I think it you know, it probably is based on, on the company that you're joining. But in my case, uh, with Cavalry, I'm I'm just kind of consultancy uh, support mm-hmm. for the portfolio. So I'm not really doing hands-on work with our portfolio companies at the moment, uh, since also that would not be feasible as I'm working with a significant amount of them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas uh, in the previous team, I you know I used to do the entire the entire work right from uh, like intimate recruitment, um, obviously with with support of my uh, my interns before, but. Um, uh, you know, I think this is the main difference. Obviously, it's a strategic position, so you mm-hmm. kind of provide strategical advice or consultancy to the portfolio companies. And Cavalry is quite a small company in itself, but you guys have a big portfolio of investments. I was yeah. curious, in your working with the companies in the portfolio, how often have you come across the concept of company culture or employer branding in general? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cavalry as a firm has a significant, a significant amount of investments and um, uh, I mean this is one of the reasons why I have been brought here, right, is to kind of be able to help companies um, decide or uh, how to structure the basically HR people teams mm-hmm. from an early early stage as Cavalry is having basic or is mostly doing investments in pre-season yes. seed yes, uh, companies mm-hmm. so very very early stage um, 
And, you know, most of the times uh, you also work with founders that maybe didn't really work in a company before or they have, but they haven't really, uh, you know, had to think of like how people, uh, teams would look like or what's the relevance, the importance of that. So I'm here to basically support them and guide them from an early stage on what I think it would be a healthier setup for them mm-hmm. um, and how... Uh, obviously how people teams can influence the company and their uh, its potential growth um, as from what i have seen in the market in my last like last eight years in, mm-hmm. in berlin is that a lot of young uh, companies don't really understand um you know the need of a people team from an early stage and the influence that that team can actually have um and uh yeah i guess that's why i'm here now Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and these companies that you are working with and the companies that are just starting out how well prepared are they when it comes to creating a good company culture uh first of all a lot of them don't know what the company culture means so uh (laughs) they're always trying to put this on the you know future hr teams Mm -hmm. but uh, i have always uh and I'm always going to tell the young companies that, you know, the, the, the company culture is basically you as a founder, at least, That's right. at least in the level. beginning when you're very sorry, small. at least when you're very small and you're just starting yeah. out. Exactly. Exactly. So you are defining the company culture as a founder and uh, it's something that I basically tell them and they realize and uh, they definitely work on that. But um, biggest majority of them, um, are interested in that um obviously sometimes it you know it doesn't come into play or it doesn't get like such a uh, high importance from um, from the founders until the later stage because obviously you know if you're just two founders and just started working mm-hmm. on a on mm-hmm. a potential product i mean you have a lot of things to worry, to worry about, about first yeah, to uh you know first of all create uh, or like build a company that is uh, stable and then you start thinking of other points and there's too much to cover and sometimes it's true that it comes into play a bit later um but it's you know it's there at least they they think about it they don't focus that much on it initially but it's it is what it is right i mean you cannot do everything in your first two years that's true and to to be honest i've seen some cases not many but i've seen some in which so much concern was given to pinning down the company culture the values um the the mission of the company that not mm-hmm. much much attention and much care was actually put on the most important resource on the people and on creating the actual culture you know they were so concerned with just pinning down the values and we have to have a good <laughs> culture on the website and yeah but it, you you forget the essential then right exactly i mean how can you pin those things down if you don't have them defined internally yet so uh, i think you just have to you know, you. I, I think, you know, like my opinion is that the best culture and the best employee branding is basically your employees. Exactly. And if you right. know how to, you know, uh, build that culture internally, then it's going to be very easy to present that externally. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. where a lot of companies fail, in my opinion. Uh, they, as you, as you mentioned as well, right? They are 
very focused on like uh, writing down a couple yeah. of things exactly. and just put them on their website but do they actually live upon those like uh, uh you know like i would say even like names mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like um yeah i think a lot of them will um, you know we will we'll not do that basically Yes, um, and I think it's, they it's just one of the biggest mistakes. branding is, is purely just putting something on your website, but it's, right. it's not that. Right, exactly. Which is why some, some people, some, some companies come to us and tell us, oh, we also want to do some employer branding, but like you don't need it. No, but it's, it's hip. It's in style. We have to do it. No, it doesn't <laughs> work like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I would expect it's very common, so... Especially, yes, especially in, in cultures such as the, the Berlin one. Yes, but yeah. getting back to to our podcast, how much importance do most companies attach to this concept of company culture or employer branding? Do you feel that it's greater the bigger the company is or is it the other way around? The smaller it is, the more interest there is going to be for people and culture in general. Um, I think that the bigger you are, of course, like the more you grow as a company, then it is expected to pay more attention to that. Um, but a lot of companies don't, even though they they're growing, because uh, as I as I think I already mentioned, people departments and people topics would almost all the time come in last, because companies don't really get support or advice on when they have to start working on these topics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally you see a trend of companies investing more into employer branding or company culture or people departments even uh when they uh, get uh to like a i don't know like 100 plus 150 employees plus onwards before that they don't put too much uh focus on it um also because they believe that the resources that they have to spend on it and also the, the cash that basically goes into it, mm-hmm. uh, it is uh, significant and uh, and most of the cases they don't see uh, any interest in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know you've, you've worked in, in um, quite a few companies in Germany and maybe also in Romania. I don't remember you telling me. If, no. no, just, no, just in Germany. Just in Germany. But it has been a few years anyway. So do you feel that the understanding of company culture has changed along the years in Berlin, at least? Uh, um, I think I think it really depends on, uh, on the exposure uh, that the founders have received before. Um, I... I mm, I think in like most of the uh, most of the companies that I personally have seen, they they do know what company culture means, or at least they have heard the terminology mm-hmm. of that. But uh, I don't know uh, how accurate uh, is their understanding about company culture, and if they actually do anything about that. Um, but it's definitely more important, and I think it's also more important because. There is a huge competition on the market right now, and uh, you know, people or candidates in this case would, uh, uh, you know, would care more about the company culture as well. You know, how the founders think, what is their approach. 
So um, I think this is going to become more important in the coming years because mm -hmm. people change their mentality as well quite a lot. So uh, um, I really hope this is going to become a big point in the future. Yes, so do I. Because that's, that brings me actually to, to my next question. You know, I haven't been in Berlin in tech as long as you have. But in my almost four years here, I've witnessed a huge gap between what companies state and what they do, you know, like broken recruitment yeah. and interviewing processes, overworking employees, xenophobia, sexism in the workplace. Why such a big gap and why, why does it happen when all these companies state that they are the best, that they are so inclusive? <laughs> yeah. Um... I think the best, uh, in my opinion, every time someone is using we are the best, I mean, you know, you have first of all to define the best, you know, and what is best for it, for every single one of us, as we all have different expectations and different um, a vision, I guess. So uh, uh, we probably have to start with that. But uh, broken recruitment, uh, definitely. I really believe that in a lot of the companies, their interviewing processes are, uh, not existent or not structured well, or they're very long, especially when you think of the competition that is currently on the market. I mean, you just, you, you really need someone that has expertise in that to assess your interviewing processes and what you actually want to achieve with that, first of all. Um, overworked employees, I think that had, you know, that point had changed a bit. I really have the feeling that uh, majority of the employees don't really overwork as much anymore. I have the feeling that majority of us have learned how to or when to say no and request support from the company and you know get more resources in house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and on the other topics, you know, I guess you know I haven't really. You know, like besides the let's say the the, the big, uh, pay gap difference in Germany, which I still don't understand why it exists, and this could be fixed quite easily, um, but a lot of companies don't don't want to introduce more like uh, fixed uh, salary benchmarking and uh, better uh, you know like feedback processes mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Um, I have heard of it, um, uh, but I haven't really uh, experienced that myself as much, um, I would say. So I cannot really comment on that topic uh, uh, too much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we yeah. come to this huge topic called remote work. <laughs> how yes. does Cavalry Venture see it and how do the companies in your portfolio look at it? Um, as we see it, so we we still remote. Um, I think you know we also have a very small team, and we can do the job also like uh, in a in a remote setup. Um, we have seen that it works for us. It works. I don't know if it works for others, but I think as long as you know you don't have a physical product, things should work uh, in a remote setup. When COVID things are going to come down a bit, then we will uh, have a hybrid setup. So we will try to be at the office once or twice a week. As everyone, I think not everyone, but like 90% of the employees are based in Berlin. So it would be nice to actually get to see the team as well. Mm -hmm. So we will mm -hmm. have this uh, this setup. In terms of the other companies in the portfolio, 
Uh, we have a significant amount of them that are actually fully remote from the get-go. So that's uh, impressive. I think there's going to be more and more companies out there that are going to start in a remote setup from the beginning. Uh, but in the same time, there's also companies that, uh, you know, if they're based in, in Berlin and majority of them is in Berlin, they still like to have an office where they can meet. I don't think we have anyone in the comp in the in the portfolio right now that would be five days a week at the office compulsory. I I don't think we have anyone. So I think it's really well seen, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Hopefully that's that's what I'm getting as feedback from everyone I know in Berlin. They all <laughs> hope to have some sort of flexible setup in which they can spend some days in the office and some days at home at least, but not not all yeah. companies are doing it. Anyway. I, it also depends like how you how you like working. As, as in the end, you know, not everyone likes to work fully remote or not everyone likes to work uh, just at the office or, or even hybrid or whatever, you know, we're all different. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm also thinking about myself. If I come to the office, then I kind of like uh, lose at least one hour a day on commuting. And yeah, then most of the time you go out for lunch with your colleagues and you have longer coffee chats in the kitchen yep. <laughs> than mm -hmm. if you if you do that at home and you're distracted more easily, at least in my case. Um, so I sometimes have the feeling that I don't achieve as much at the office now as I achieve at home, where I actually can focus more and there's no one to disturb me. So um, yeah, I, I think, you know, a nice mix between two would work perfectly for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, I guess it all boils down to what type of person you are, what type of uh, environment yeah. you prefer. That's true. <clears throat> yeah. Adriana, one thing you wish you'd known five years ago? Wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> have, a lot, I, I guess. I have a million. <laughs> Uh, significant things, I guess, I have learned in the, in the last five years. Um, oof, that's that's a, that's a very difficult one. I actually don't have a specific thing in mind. I think it's, you know, uh, I think in five years, if you think about it, you get exposed to like so many different mm -hmm. points. Mm -hmm. um, but what I wish I have known, I mean, five years ago, I. I would have been doing this for like what two and a half years, three. So I guess the uh, you know the, there's a lot about you know processes and how you structure these processes and how you can be flexible with like talent acquisition processes and uh, read people much better. I guess um, you know you get that gut feeling as you say also with with experience. So I think. You know, there's, there's not just one point that I can mm -hmm. like say it was something that I really wanted to to uh, know five years ago. But I guess it's the entire package. You know, it's like mm -hmm. what have I learned in five years? A lot. <laughs> so, I guess so it's I just. Think, yeah. I guess with experience, everyone everyone learns and everyone has their internal processes combined then with the company yeah. processes and yeah it. Yeah. But to maybe, experience. Yeah, but maybe as a as a as a point, I guess what you should know, especially if you're uh, early stage in your career, uh, you should know that you're uh, you know it's fine to make a mistake uh, because you don't have the exposure. Sometimes I think I 
I pinned that too hard on myself when I was making a mistake, which is sometimes normal. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're younger, you're less experienced, you have less exposure. So um, I think you just don't have to be very harsh with yourself, uh, which I think I used to be before, mm-hmm. um, thinking like, oh my gosh, I should have known this. But in the end, it's like, no, no, you couldn't I don't have. because I haven't been exposed to before, so I have no right. idea. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, yeah. One stereotype about talent acquisition managers. Oh, stereotype. I guess that the only one that I can think of and comes to mind right now is that in a lot of the companies, when you think of talent acquisition partners or managers, is that they. Uh, is that they have to uh, hire people kind of on their own. But I think that a lot of the times companies or hiring managers are not trained enough to understand that actually recruitment is teamwork. So mm-hmm. uh, talent acquisition is there to provide the pipeline, to provide the candidates, the processes but they're not the ones taking the decisions. Um, and without the hiring managers, you can never find the right people. So uh, uh, I think this is a huge uh, stereotype in the talent acquisition world, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. I have to say I was one of the people thinking the same thing about five, six years ago. So I totally understand. Yeah. Yeah, so don't feel guilty if you cannot hire someone. Most of the times it's because maybe you, you need to work on uh, on your processes or discuss more with your hiring managers and make them understand that they have a huge responsibility when mm-hmm. hiring. Yeah. Yes, it's shared responsibility in the end. Agree. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Okay, and this brings me to my last question, which regards a resource that you find useful. And I remember us talking about you reading two very nice newsletters, which I'd really like you to share on this podcast. Yeah, so I guess, you know, like reading, oh my gosh, there's a lot of like resources nowadays on the market. So I guess, you know, like it's it's what you, you know, what you like most. But recently, of course, I have been following two newsletters being in the, you know, like in the the venture capital uh, world. Uh, One of them is basically Femme Street. Um, It's, uh, you know, like about women um, in tech or female founders. founders Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. So I think that's quite of an interesting uh, newsletter. And um, but as I said, it's more like guided towards the current industry that I'm I'm in, um, and then there was the uh, the other one which is called I think it's Friday Female. Um, um, that one is also uh, very close to you know like uh, uh, female founders and uh, investment opportunities and you know mm-hmm. things out there. So I think. Um, uh, you know, it's it's not just that. I think they're expanding towards other areas as well. But um, um, this is basically the ones that I'm mostly reading right now, uh, compared to any other books. Or mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, super. Yeah. Well, to me, it's really appealing since it's about female founders. So thank you for sharing these. And Adriana, it's been really, really nice talking to you today. I really enjoyed our uh, our friendly discussion. And yeah. um, Thank you, and look forward to seeing you soon. 
Thank you as well and uh, stay healthy. Of course. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Inside Podcast. You can find our podcast on Spotify and on Apple Music. And if you want to read more on employer branding or digital marketing content in general, go to BeagleCap.com or employerbranding.tech. See you next time. Bye.